millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hello and welcome to the World Soccer Talk podcast. We take a closer look at this season's Premier League. Peacock says no thank you to more soccer rights. Reasons to be positive about the next MLS TV deal. And we have your uh, actually questions and answers in the listener mailbag section. On the panel today, we have Kartik Krishnair. My name is Christopher Harris. Kartik, uh, the title races are done in Germany, Spain and France. Meanwhile, we're one month away from the end of what, what has been one of the best Premier League seasons in a very long time. It's more than just Liverpool and Manchester City for the title race, even though that has been exhilarating. And looking at the Premier League, there are so mo- so many storylines from this season, so much so that I think you and I could easily spend about 20 to 30 minutes on each team, but multiplied by 20 teams, that would be a 10-hour podcast. So we're not doing that today, listeners. Um, so we won't do that. But uh, for you, I mean, there's so much to talk about, right? But what are some of the storylines that uh, pop into your mind that you're most interested in right now? But, uh Burnley sacking, uh, uh, obviously, Sean Dyche, I think, is, is, is number one this week. Uh, as a bigger picture thing, I think there are two, uh, two really standout storylines, uh, or maybe three if you include Chelsea and Abramovich in the sale. But uh, the two would be the title race between Man City and Liverpool. I, uh, I often get things wrong, but I'm going to toot my own horn on this. Before the season, when everyone was talking about Chelsea because they were the champions of Europe and United because Ronaldo had gone there and Jadon Sancho had gone there, I was saying it was going to be a title race between Liverpool and Man City. I did pick Liverpool to win it. So I, you know, at this point, I'm wrong about that. But no one was picking Liverpool, and very few people were picking Man City. Um, and and it was really people were talking Chelsea and United. And it's as I expected has been those these two teams because they have a clear playing philosophy. They have a settled squad. They haven't. They don't have that many ins and outs uh, during the course of the last few seasons. They have a very very. Um, they have a squad that fits each manager's personality, and those are the sorts of squads in this day and age that win. Now, there are too many people who look at YouTube videos and look at highlight clips and determine, well, Chelsea has better players and Man United has better players. Okay, they, they might actually have better players, uh, but there's something about the settled squad and the overarching philosophy at both Man City and 
and Liverpool right now. So that, that's number one. And number two is Brentford for me. Uh, they uh, came up through the playoffs after a couple failed attempts, right? They had actually lost uh, 11 times in the playoffs uh, to get promoted from various divisions in the past. Came up through the playoffs. They're a West London side that historically has been the smallest of the four West London clubs, right? The other three are Chelsea, QPR, and Fulham. They... Um, are going to stay in the division. They are basically mid-table right now. The two teams that were automatically promoted from last season's championship are probably going back down. And they've also signed Christian Eriksen in the middle of the season, who's had this incredible revival and medical miracle for the ages. So Brentford is the other huge storyline for me. Yeah. So when I look at the table, Kartik, when I look at the Premier League table, and I look from you mean team number one all the way down to number 20, like I said before, too, we could spend easily 20 minutes on each of these teams. The team that I have the biggest struggle kind of really getting my kind of teeth into uh, is Watford. But what for you? Is 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 there a storyline within Watford that you're like, oh, oh, my gosh. Yes, Hodgson coming back from retirement to coach the side. But is there something deeper with Watford that uh, maybe I'm missing? Yes, uh, their impatience with managers and the Pozo family, the way they manage this club and all their clubs, right, Udinese and Granada as well, which is to have a director of football, which is separate from the, the manager. Actually, it's not a manager at Watford. It's a head coach. And so they have a potpourri of players who don't fit together. This has been the case, actually, for six or seven seasons, right? Many of those seasons, they stayed in the Premier League uh, by hook or by crook. They don't, they, their pieces don't fit together. They have a glut of players. They move them in and out. And I think the overreaching storyline with Watford is while that kind of model worked 10 years ago of having a separate director of football bringing in as many players as possible so you have depth so you have options so you can absorb injuries so you can move guys on to the other clubs owned by the same family on the continent Uh, I don't think it works anymore I think smaller squads tighter uh, tighter teams uh, playing philosophies all of that are really the takeaways from this season again, because it's Klopp and Guardiola at the top. It's not Man United with 30 players who've been signed by 10 different managers who are, uh, uh, many of them repetitive, have the same exact skill set. It's not Chelsea who've just gone out and bought uh, whoever was listed first on transfer market, right? Um, they, it, 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 it's teams that have clear playing philosophies, clear DNAs, clear ethos. That would apply as well to Brentford, who I mentioned. And the club that that would most not apply to right now is Everton, who have just gone out and bought uh, whoever was most uh, readily available for them at the highest price who had played for the biggest club previously, and they're fighting relegation in spite of having the seventh highest wage bill in the league. Yeah, the storyline that jumps out for me out of all those 20 teams, Kartik, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm loving it this season in terms of just uh, everything that's happening within the Premier League, but Manchester United, I mean, the fall from grace, I mean, this reminds me eerily a lot of Liverpool from it, it, I mean from the 90s to the 2000s where they went I mean after their their rise I mean and winning all these trophies I mean a, a period of time it was 30 years before they lifted another um, actual uh, top level trophy you mean the Premier League title or the first division title uh, Manchester United I mean it, it doesn't see I don't think it'll be 30 years but in terms of trying to turn this team around and we're recording this on Thursday the day that uh, 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 Ten Hag has been uh, appointed manager uh, it's not going to start until next season 
but I mean the amount of work that's necessary to turn this team around is, is enormous. Um, and it could be many, many years before Man United, uh, you mean, in, get into that top top two echelon with Liverpool and Man City. I don't see Liverpool and Man City, uh, you mean, basically putting the brakes on anytime soon and kind of falling from those top two spots. So, h- how long is it going to is it going to take Man United to kind of get back in those top two positions, battling for the, the, the title? It took them 25 years from uh, 67 to 92 to get back into the top two the last time, right? And then in 93, they did win the title and kept winning titles till 2013 under Sir Alex Ferguson. Won a number of cups, though. I think when we talk about the 26 years that um, Man United did not win the uh, first division or Premier League title, it was uh, dotted by a lot of cup successes in between. One very notable relegation, right, and famously lost to Manchester City on the final day of the season and were relegated. But here's the bottom line with United. Let's not talk about Liverpool and Man City. Let's talk about Arsenal with a young manager in Arteta and a young core of players growing up together, the way Man United probably should have done it with their young players a few years ago. Being patient, letting them work out their problems, their, 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 their mistakes. That is happening currently with uh, Arsenal. They're going to be a force to be reckoned with over the course of the next five years. Let's talk about Spurs. They bring in the best manager available on the market in Antonio Conte. Sorry, Man United has not. I like Eric Ten Hag, but he's not Conte level, right? Um, and Conte has very quickly transformed Spurs from a team that was sitting, uh, doing very little running, playing on the counterattack. Um, to a, to one of the fittest teams in the division with uh, uh, individual player performances improving dramatically. Matt Doherty, uh, who's now out for the season, unfortunately. Doherty has improved uh, immeasurably since Conte came in. You could say the same thing with Ryan Sessegnon. You could say the same thing for any number of guys. Uh, uh, Betancourt comes in from, Spur, uh, from Juventus, a player I rate very highly. Couldn't understand what had happened to him under uh, Max Allegri at Juventus. He's come in made a huge impact. So I think I think Man United are miles away even from... Um, I know on the table they're right behind Spurs and Arsenal, but my assumption is next season both Spurs and Arsenal are much better than they are uh, this season. They probably challenge Chelsea for third, both of those clubs. And United, uh, they're sixth at best right now. It's strange though, Kartik, because it's strange because it's different. This, this season feels very different than other seasons. And, and like, for, for example... If uh, if we're talking to our listeners right now and you're an American and you're a fan of whatever club it is, say, in the Premier League, you can be a, a fan of any club in the Premier League and there's a lot to be proud of. I mean, Burnley, yes, they're in the relegation zone right now, still fighting. There's still a good chance that they could escape that. Uh, you look at Watford, you mentioned, too, in terms of they're going through a difficult time this season in terms of their philosophy. But if you're a Watford supporter, you got a lot to be proud of. It's a good team. There's some good players in that team. Uh, it's just kind of a... It doesn't have that team chemistry week in, week out uh, consistently. Even Norwich City. Norwich City is battling. I mean, they're actually playing some good football now and again. Uh, just I think the the depth of that squad compared to the others above them is just is just too much of a of a gap, and and they're used to being kind of that yo yo club uh, up up and down they go, but any club in the Premier League you could say okay there's a lot to be proud of there's been a lot of storylines this season you can take any club there's there's not one club you can say like hey that that's been a boring club nothing's really happened this season and uh, they're boring to watch. 
you mean, can, can you, how, how would you rate this season, Kartik, uh, this Premier League season compared to previous ones? Does this stand out for you too? Yeah, it absolutely does. And as we talked about last week, there have been more standout matches between the top six or the top five if you eliminate Manchester United because they don't feature in any of these these matches. The Chelsea-Liverpool matches, the uh, City-Liverpool matches, the Spurs-Liverpool, uh, Arsenal-Man Man City, uh, Arsenal-Spurs. They've been uh, phenomenal. Oh, Chelsea-Arsenal have been phenomenal, phenomenal matches this season. And in the past, they didn't necessarily live up to the hype. And, and you rightly mentioned, I think, Jose Mourinho. Uh, you mentioned last week, Chris. Jose Mourinho had a lot to do with that. Him being out of the league... Antonio Conte coming back into the league, Guardiola and Pep still being here, Arteta being a uh, a disciple of Pep, and then a, a, uh, and to a certain extent a disciple of Moyes, and then obviously Tuchel being at Chelsea, I think has really livened things up uh, at the top. And then you go down the table, you see a lot of really uh, exciting, interesting clubs. Uh, Crystal Palace under Vieira has been really interesting for me. We mentioned Brentford. I think Leeds is getting more interesting now under Jesse Marsh. And certainly when you look at Brighton, I know it's a little bit hit or miss under Graham Potter, but you know this well as a Swansea fan. When Graham Potter's teams are on, when they're playing good football, there's no one in Europe playing better football. I'm not saying they get the best results, but I'm saying there's no one in Europe that plays better football than Brighton when they are on. And we've seen some of those performances this season. Yeah, Southampton's another club too that uh, has had a an inconsistent yeah, yeah. season, That's... but under uh, Hassan Hudel, I mean, they would even one week they would beat uh, Arsenal, and then another week they'd lose six nil to Chelsea. Uh, but at, at times in the season, they've shown to be a really good team. Um, yeah, you look at any of these clubs, and, and that's the thing, even going into next season, Kartik, you look at all these storylines and all these clubs and how they're doing, next season's going to be even more captivating. Yeah, and I think uh, that you've just hit on it. Hassan Hotel with Southampton, another great example. These clubs are going for it. You have very few teams that sit uh, and, and sit deep, absorb pressure, and play in a low block consistently in this league. So uh, Dean Smith going to uh, going to Norwich. Norwich has been very open, and, and just like his uh, Brentford teams were in the Championship, and his Aston Villa teams uh, was uh, uh, in the Premier League the last few years. Everybody is playing football in this division, and again, that, that goes back to the point you made last week, which I think is the money point, Chris that Jose Mourinho being out of the league has changed the entire de- and I don't think he's coming back to England anytime soon right to manage I don't think I think he's run out of clubs to manage in England so um the DNA of the league is fundamentally changed with him out of the league uh, it, it just feels like unless you know maybe it was happening already and we were just so focused on Mourinho we didn't see it but now it seems like there's more open attacking football from top to bottom in the table you get a team like Brentford coming to the division soar up mid-table. You have a team like Southampton, and people have asked me before about Hassenhutl specifically, why he doesn't move on to a bigger club, or why has Southampton not sacked him when it seems like they're in a relegation fight every year. Uh, the answer to both of those is um, Southampton. Uh, on, the, on the first, I think he has a lot of power and influence at Southampton and has a very special relationship with the supporters there. Second point is, they 
have, have managed to escape relegation every single season doing it his way, playing good attacking football, being open enough to lose matches 9-0 as they have, uh, and 6-0, right, as they have repeatedly in the last few seasons, but playing good enough football that on their day they can beat Liverpool or they can beat Arsenal or they can take points off Man City, entertain their fa- uh, supporters, and stay in the division. So I think Southampton very much is kind of the pulse of the league, if you think about it that way. And that was a great, great point, bringing them up. Yeah, Newcastle next season are going to be eye-opening to see what they do in the off-season, in the, in the transfer window. West Ham, you mean Europa League semi-finalists now, uh, coming up against uh, Eintracht Frankfurt. Uh, and that's my match to watch this weekend, actually, is West Ham United against Chelsea uh, at Stamford Bridge. Chelsea going through a rough patch. I mean, it's within one week they lose, get knocked out of the uh, the Champions League. Uh, they lose to in the derby against Arsenal, but then yet they they beat Crystal Palace an hour into the FA Cup final against Liverpool. Uh, you go down the list. Any I mean, Aston Villa right now is in a free fall, Kartik. If if this season continued for another few weeks longer than than uh, the May twenty second end date, I think Aston Villa would be in, in relegation trouble. Yeah, I I, uh, I think they're barely safe as it stands because I look I I'm now backing off my prediction that Burnley would escape relegation. I still think they would have if they hadn't sacked Dyche. But now, uh, as we record this Thursday morning, they're going to play their second match under an interim caretaker manager committee without having identified a replacement, uh, having sacked a guy who is tested and proven at this level. Um, so Villa is safe because of that. But I think there was a distinct possibility that Burnley were going to get a number of results. I really believe they were going to. I stuck with that prediction all season long. Everton had been picking up. We've seen a fight out of Everton the last few weeks that we hadn't seen previously. Them scraping and getting goals late in matches or creating chances late in matches. I see individual player improvement under Lampard with specific players, even if you don't see overall improvement with the club. I think if if Lampard keeps them in the division and is there next year, they'll be better. And uh, who, who's the other team that's been... Oh, and, and Leeds, right? We've seen def- definitive improvement under Jesse Marsh. So I think uh, Villa would have been sucked into this. Uh, I, not only if the, the season were longer, I think they might have been sucked into this if Dyche hadn't been sacked. Yeah, Burnley. Anyone who watched the last weekend's game between Burnley and West Ham United will be... I mean, if you're a Burnley fan or even a, a neutral, I'm a neutral uh, Cornet deciding to take the penalty kick. What a difference that made because he missed the penalty. Uh, if Jay Rodriguez, the the regular penalty taker for ben, uh, for Burnley, had taken that penalty, he he most probably would have scored, and Burnley would have beaten West Ham United, not not tied them. Cornet also missed a sitter against Norwich, uh, which could have saved Sean Dyche's job uh, the previous week. By the way, I'd be just like a, 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 a as guilt edged chance as you would get. Yeah. So let's finish it off, Kartik. There's only two teams we haven't mentioned out of the twenty. Uh, Leicester City. I would have loved to have seen Leicester City this season in terms of if didn't have any injuries how far they would have gone uh in ninth spot right now and and wolves wolves has been good i mean, I mean under large yeah. i mean they've done a really good job and i mean right now as as of recording this in eighth spots i mean they're, they're sitting pretty if if uh wolves had not had some untimely sending offs in key matches uh in the second half of matches i think it was jimenez in two of those matches uh, they might be fighting for the top four. They started very poorly under Lodge. He's uh, gotten them playing some some really good football, different than they played under Nuno, more attack-oriented, more possession-based. And uh, uh, 
have cycled players through, which uh, they were very thin squatty uh, under Nuno. He didn't like, uh, which I think is a kind of a trend to, to only want 14 or 15 guys. But uh, ultimately in the COVID year, they had a ton of injuries and they were not very competitive last season. Um, they've been really good. So Wolves, I think, uh, are a team to watch next season. They may be better off staying at eighth. If they get into that top seven, they might be in Europe and that might be a... Uh, um, an issue in terms of squad management. I think if they finish eighth, they might be more dangerous than if they finish sixth or seventh. Uh, as strange as that sounds, but we're, because we're seeing squad management issues plague teams all over Europe. Look at Villarreal. Look at uh, Eintracht. Two, two of the clubs we've mentioned are in the semifinals of European competitions. Doing so well in Europe with a thinner squad for both of those clubs has damaged their competitiveness in their domestic leagues this season. And that's a that's a history also in England. We've seen with teams through the years that that's happened. Yeah, and and that's why this weekend that that game that West that Chelsea West Ham game to me is my match of the weekend to watch. Just because West Ham have uh, kind of. Uh, fallen off 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 the wagon a little bit and, and now in seventh spot but if they do get a win at Sanford Bridge against a, a weakened Chelsea at this point uh confidence wise then that moves them up at least closer to the race with Man United for Europa League spot but but who, who knows West Ham United could go all the way and could go and, and win the whole Europa League at this at this rate Kartik what's your game to watch uh, this weekend yeah, I'll just do Derek Klassiker because it is uh, it is a, a special occasion. Uh, Dortmund have blown every opportunity they've had to get back into the title race. Uh, they did have a really impressive performance last week uh, in a 6-0 win over Wolfsburg. I think it's been a 6-0. It might have been worse, actually. But, uh, uh, again, it's, it's the occasion. These matches are always... Uh, they're always spirited if they're not competitive, and, and often they are competitive. So I'll go with that. 12.30 uh, p.m. on Saturday on ABC. There's a full pregame show on ABC also leading into the match, ESPN FC uh, pregame show. So uh, that's my match to watch, although, again, I will uh, concede that it may not make any difference in, in, in anything other than uh, pride between those two uh, fierce rivals. Yeah, I think it's more of a spectacle at this point in terms of just hopefully an entertaining game. Derek Ray on the commentary, you know what I mean? So it, it will be entertaining uh, for sure. Could be lots of goals. Who knows? Bayern could be crowned champions. Uh, we shall see. Speaking of champions, Kartik, there was uh, just just to uh, add one more thing in terms of what we've been watching this past week. Uh, U.S. Open Cup, uh, Tuesday and Wednesday, um, these teams fighting uh, to become champions of the U.S. Open Cup. Uh, we're in the third round, which is now finished. Uh, fourth round's coming up in a couple of weeks. But some really good games. And, and congratulations to Detroit City, San Antonio, uh, Motown FC, uh, Union Omaha, Hailstorm FC all caused major upsets this week, uh, and some of these clubs knocked out MLS clubs. What's your uh, for me, Kartik? I'm actually I, I, I've been enjoying watching these games on ESPN Plus because all of them are available on ESPN Plus, and this is it. This is the last season on ESPN Plus for the US Open Cup. Next season is on um, Turner Sports or Warner Media or HBO Max or we we don't know. And we don't know, but Twitter Sports didn't even mention that they were having the U.S. Open Cup in their press release when they announced the deal with U.S. Soccer. So I'm a little bit hesitant, a little bit concerned about what their plans are next season. I'm, I'm hoping that they're paying a lot of attention to it. Um, however, at the end of the day, Kartik, 
and this is from just experience in terms of just talking to soccer fans and, and seeing what pages and what articles are of interest to soccer fans throughout the United States on worldsoccertalk.com. Very little interest in U.S. Open Cup. Hopefully that can change um, this, this season, hopefully. Yeah, I think it's for lower division people like me. I mean, to be honest with you, I stopped paying attention to the tournament once USL and, and uh, NISA teams are out and NPSL teams are out. So I, when it's, once it becomes a competition between MLS teams, it's less interesting to me. Uh, congratulations, particularly, you listed a number of teams. Uh, congratulations, particularly to San Antonio. That is a grudge match that um, I think we were all looking forward to for many years. Once, once we knew Austin was getting an MLS team, that then San Antonio, which has been one of, as someone who worked in D2 for many years, who worked in the NASL when we launched the San Antonio Scorpions, uh, was at that press conference when we launched the team uh, and, and worked closely with them. This has been a grudge match coming once we learned San Antonio was not going to be an MLS and Austin was. So um, that, that to me is, the, that to me is the, the, at least for me personally, the, the sentimental favorite of this tournament so far. That victory, uh, Detroit City beating Columbus is, is tremendous. It's something Detroit has an has a atmosphere unlike any in, uh, in American soccer. So uh, two great results there in addition to the other ones you mentioned. But particularly for me, the San Antonio one is, is, it is tops, my favorite. Yeah, to be honest, there wasn't that much of a difference between the levels of USL and MLS. In, the, in these games, like sometimes in the FA Cup, for example, it's a maybe a championship club play, playing against a Premier League club. And the game is really close until maybe like, say, I don't know, the 70th minute. And then all of a sudden the, the Premier League club wins like 4-1 or something like that. These close these games were a lot of like, you mean, either nil nils or one nils, like really, really tight games. What do you think, Carty? Is it much of a yeah, difference? Yeah, fundamentals. No, there isn't. The fundamental difference, and, and I said this even when I was working at NASL. USL is now D2, as NASL was when I worked at NASL. There, the fundamental difference between MLS and the D2 level is there are three or four standout players on each MLS squad that can make a difference in one-off moments in matches between uh, clubs from the two leagues. Now, when you get to Division Three teams, there's a fitness difference, right? So if you play a NISA team, for example, uh, we saw it with Chattanooga, right, against Atlanta. Uh, if, you see, if you play a NISA team, for example, they, they, they tend to drop off after about 60 minutes with their fitness levels. But if you play a USL team... They're fit enough, and they travel the same way. They kind of um, they train the same way. The, the coaching level is basically the same. I mean, there are some coaches in USL or in previously in NSL, I would say, are better than many MLS coaches. So tactically, uh, stylistically very similar. There is just a difference maker where individual moments, MLS teams have three, four, five guys that are match winners. Whereas the USL slash NASL in the past uh, teams would have one, maybe. All right, Kartik, let's move on to TV streaming news, and I'll have you kick it off. Yeah, in recent uh, in the recent past, a lot of our listeners and readers have said they'd love to have the English Championship, FA Cup, League Cup. Uh, and uh, like all these competitions on Peacock. So all the major English competitions would be available based on the same service. Uh, Well, based on an interview in Sports Pro Magazine, don't expect that to happen. This is what NBC Sports President of uh, Programming John Miller said about the possibility of Peacock adding more soccer rights in the near future. Quote, we made a big play for the Premier League because we feel it's the number one soccer league in the world. We don't want to be the network of soccer. We want to be the network of the Premier League. Uh, 
Uh, and then continuing, there are a lot of other great soccer properties out there, but adding those properties wouldn't necessarily raise the number of pre Peacock subscribers in the same way adding a sport like baseball, which NBC doesn't cover currently, would, unquote. Uh, a lot of uh, uh, things from this quote, Chris. First off, uh, this may explain NBC's coverage preferences, which are um, often to act like the Premier League exists in a vacuum and European competition doesn't exist or is secondary, and that uh, uh, other competitions in England don't really exist. I have to say they've done better with that this year uh, in talking about uh, uh, spillover from FA Cup matches, spillover from League Cup matches, and from European ties. Uh, But for several seasons, they they were hardly even talking about those competitions. Uh, Secondly... uh, uh, Mr. Miller might want to have a conversation with his counterparts at Disney or at Paramount about adding soccer properties and what that does for subscribers. Because uh, my sources uh, at those other places tell me, and I think the same thing with you, Chris, with your sources, that uh, ESPN Plus adding soccer properties has increased uh, uh, subscribers to the Disney bundle. Uh, uh, CBS Sports adding soccer properties has uh, various soccer properties, random soccer properties, has added subscribers to Paramount Plus. So a uh, very different view of things in, at NBC Universal, I suppose. Yeah, just a couple of things on this, just to clarify too. So Peacock did ha- has signed baseball. So they now, uh, which is really quiet, I didn't hear a lot about it, but uh, Peacock will become the exclusive home to Sunday morning Major League Baseball games. So you know, not, not, not a huge thing, but they d- will have baseball. Sunday morning? <laughs> yeah, in the future. So that's the first thing. But the second thing, I, I think this, Kartik, I think is... I think it's more so about the Premier League, or actually NBC, right? NBC spending so much money to get the Premier League, so much money above and beyond what they wanted to spend. And we're talking, you mean, over a billion dollars at least. I mean, we have to go back to the numbers, but billions of of dollars to actually get the rights to show these games. So I think it's one of those things that uh, if they hadn't spent so much money on the Premier League, maybe they would look at some of these other uh, leagues too and maybe look at uh, adding those. But Peacock still is a weird bird. I mean, I mean, myself as a fan of soccer and as a fan of English soccer, I mean, I don't have a team in, in the Premier League, but I have Peacock because, I mean, I, mean, I want to watch that West Ham United against Burnley game. I want to watch those games, those, those relegation battles, that the Everton against Leicester midweek. Those big games, to me, uh, are oftentimes on Peacock. So I have to have it. Now... But the, in terms of entertainment, yes, they're adding more and more original programming. And yes, they have uh, wrestling, the WWE, which is a big deal. Um, it's just a lot of different things. But I, I understand in terms of what, what uh, NBC Sports is saying about the Premier League. And they want exclusivity. Uh, and they want big viewing numbers. They want things that will make a difference. But like you said, Kartik, I think there are properties they could pick up. Um, such as the FA Cup, such as the English Championship and other things that would fit in well with their programming and I, th- I think would actually definitely generate more interest in Peacock. I mean, be, it'll, it'll give you, I mean, if you're a fan of Arsenal or Chelsea or Man United or Spurs or one of the top six clubs, uh, you may not subscribe to Peacock because you might be like, you know what, most of the games are on uh, USA Network anyway. But having the FA Cup on there, having even League Cup on there, Championship, etc., uh, would make those people sign up for that service. So 
Yeah, so listeners, uh, Peacock adding soccer in the future, unlikely. Just a couple more things to Kartik in the news section. One, th- this is really interesting, I think, in that in England right now, uh, and this has been the, the way, this way since the uh, since the seventies, nineteen seventies, is that there's a, there's a TV blackout. So every Saturday, uh, Eastern time now, from ten a.m. Eastern to about twelve fifteen uh, Eastern, uh, those games are blacked out. So if you're a soccer fan in England or Wales or or um, Scotland or Northern Ireland, and you want to watch, you know, Liverpool against Man City or whatever game is on. Uh, that's played during that that block of time. It's not on television anywhere. Legally, it's impossible. The only way you could actually watch that game is go to the stadium and watch it, or you could listen to a radio broadcast. Now, there are plans afoot in England to change that, and uh, we saw this during COVID when COVID happened and the pandemic, and fans weren't allowed in stadiums. They temporarily. Allowed some of those games, those 10 a.m. Eastern to 12, uh, 15 Eastern games, to be uh, shown on streaming. Now, clubs in England are looking at this, and and they're actually wanting it to happen to make it so that uh, there isn't that that TV streaming blackout. However, this is the interesting thing about this Kartik. The people wanting to make this happen to make uh, to get rid of this TV blackout, it's the clubs in uh, League One and League Two. And the clubs in uh, the Premier League and the Championship don't want the the TV blackout uh, to go away. Any any thoughts on this? Why why the Premier League and the Championship in particular would be against this? Because the the, the story, the kind of the, the thing that we always hear is that the reason that there's, there's a TV blackout is to make sure that fans go to support the lower league clubs. What's what's your take on this? I think there's still a view that um, if you air a Premier League or Championship match uh, at a, a certain time, that impacts those clubs in terms of the fight for promotion, the, the relegation fights, uh, etc. Spots for, for in Europe that uh, that like attendance uh, may impact might may impact attendance. I, I don't buy that, but I, I, that's what I'm guessing it is because. It has always been the assumption that it would affect League One, League Two, and the non-league, uh, which all tend to kick off their matches at 3 p.m. Uh, uh, local time. Although uh, League One and League Two have now varied their kickoff times a little more than they used to, which might also indicate why they're less wed to this uh, TV blackout than, than they may have been in the past. But, um, yeah, that, that, it's, it's a real mystery to me also. I'm just uh, giving a, a theory. I, I'm, not, I'm not necessarily wed to that idea. Yeah, listeners, if you have uh, an idea of why you think the Premier League and Championship would be against uh, getting rid of the, the TV blackout, let us know, because this one is, is kind of a kind of a a puzzler i just can't figure out what they have to gain by this because attendance wise i don't think it would impact the championship or the premier league uh it's more likely to impact um teams lower down the divisions but i don't know this is a strange one to me but and and then one more news item kartik and last week we talked about fifa plus and launching their streaming service uh, for free and uh, making all these games available, 40,000 games available per year. Uh, and you and I talked about it, and we said, this this sounds a lot like uh, my Cujo, uh, which was acquired by Eleven Sports. It, it felt like it's this kind of uh, this free streaming site that offers games from all levels of different soccer, from women's soccer, etc. 
Well, this week, <laughs> the news is that FIFA Plus has appointed 11 sports to power and supply live soccer matches. So we were right on the money on this one, Kartik. Uh, this this is ex- essentially 11 sports doing a deal with FIFA. And FIFA says, OK, hey, we'll take all of the content you have available and make this available for free on the FIFA Plus app. And... Um, I don't know. For me, Kartik, yes, the classic World Cup uh, films and, and games on there are great. But um, I, I'm not going to be like racing to go to FIFA Plus to, to watch games that, to me at least, have very little meaning. What about you? It's pretty niche, but I think there are probably games uh, that, you'll, that, that I'll want to tune in for. Uh, and... There's always kind of um, random viewing. I mean, the thing that I think Paramount Plus has gotten so well with having so much soccer content and and uh, the Disney uh, the Disney uh, uh, streaming services as well to a, to a lesser extent is people who at random times want to watch soccer matches can just turn on uh, click on that app and and watch something random. So that's something that FIFA Plus will have. That's something Mike Cujo and Eleven always had going for it. But it is very niche. Again, coming out of lower division American soccer of Eleven and and Mike Cujo have been an integral part of that. And uh, Eleven, I know the business model, uh, having worked with Ricardo Silva, whose former business partner uh, owns uh, owns Eleven, Andrea Radrazzani. Uh, it, it's uh, it, it, it's. It's an interesting move, I think a positive move for Eleven, um, but then at the same time, Eleven has been trying to acquire some first division rights to supplement their um, their, their their lower division and kind of uh, just leftover uh, things that they throw on the Eleven Sports platform. So uh, this might be part of that strategy. Okay, moving on to listener mailbag. First up is RJ. RJ wants to talk about ESPN. RJ says, I was reviewing ESPN's soccer portfolio going forward, and honestly, it's pretty slim in regard to international tournaments and teams. Any chance that ESPN, ABC buys just the soccer rights from from Fox Sports? In a lot of ways, it's a perfect fit. I would think that would get uh, regulatory, uh, regulatory approval. Kartik, yeah, there's not a lot left on the international side. I mean, so this summer we've got the Women's Euro 2022, which will be on ESPN or probably on ESPN Plus, most of those games. But outside of that, there's not much going for ESPN on the on the international game. Fox has gobbled up most of those those rights. Um, What do you think? Should ESPN kind of at least consider trying to figure out a way to buy some of the soccer rights from Fox Sports? Well, that's if that, that's possible, right? They could sublicense soccer to uh, to ESPN, but I don't think they're going to. I think that Fox' strategy now is just to go into the international game. Uh, those are tournament specific. Those are uh, time blocked off, right? It's not a, a nine month commitment in terms of programming and, and tying up programming like uh, club leagues are. And it fits where they're going as a uh, as a media uh, as a media company, Fox, uh, which is kind of slimmer, more focused, and their focus now is on news and sports. Right? Uh, that 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 that's it. So I think 
uh, it's it would make sense, but I don't think it'll happen. I think Fox is laser focused on this. Whatever club rights come up, uh, they're just going to pass on going forward. Although, again, they did they did see, show some interest in reacquiring the Premier League rights, but that would have been with a partner in Warner Media uh, and probably not a huge programming commitment, tying up a lot of programming hours on the remaining channels they have. Remember, uh, even spillover channels now. Uh, they don't typically they don't have they used to uh throw a lot of soccer spillover matches on fx which is now a disney channel itself uh and was sold to disney as part of that asset uh uh, asset sale to disney next up is aram and aram talks about man city liverpool and he says uh, you might be interested in the opening minutes of uh, a recent episode of the athletics football tactics podcast where jonathan wilson describes watching the man city liverpool game while in chicago and saying how pleasantly surprised he was by nbc's production and the old familiar faces of their studio team Kartik, in a way, though, too, this feels almost condescending. It's like, you mean, Jonathan Wilson, I, I didn't hear the clip, but Jonathan Wilson surprised at uh, NBC's production and, and uh, some old familiar faces of the studio team. I, I, I'd imagine maybe, I don't know, maybe Danny Higginbotham, maybe he saw. I, I can't remember who was on the Man City Liverpool uh, studio that team, or maybe Robbie Earl. Uh, or uh, Robbie Musto, um, but I don't know. I guess I, yeah, I guess they were they were on site that weekend, so it was actually a good weekend to catch them because uh, they 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 had taken their studio to the UK and uh, also mixed up their commentary teams a little bit uh, because they had uh, Robbie Musto, Robbie Earl, Tim Howard on site in in the UK. Uh, so that probably contributed to it. I guess. I guess in a way, though, too, Kartik. If you and I uh, were in England and we were watching, turned on television, and they showed an MLS game, and we were like, you mean, we would be pleasantly surprised by, you mean, I don't know, BT Sports's production of Major League Soccer and some old familiar faces on on their studio team. Stu, Stu Robson it does a lot of those <laughs> games, right? So that's a guy we know. Yeah. We know well. That's true. Among others. That's true. And then uh, one more comment from uh, Aram uh, about this is about the UEFA Champions League. Do you and Kartik prefer both Champions League games on at once and then watching on Paramount's multicast? Or would you prefer staggered start times with perhaps one match starting at 5 p.m. in Europe and then the second match starting at 8 p.m.? I dimly recall UEFA moving towards staggered start times before the pandemic. And Kartik, if you may, I will answer this one. To me, actually, I prefer having the games both at the same time. Reason being is that it's an insurance policy. Sometimes, you mean, especially the Champions League games, you mean, some of them are great, some of them are like, eh. And, and, and having them both at the same time, uh, I'm, lately, I've been I'm doing um, the Paramount Plus multicast or UCL multicast, which has both games on the TV screen at the same time. And then it flips back and forwards for the audio. Uh, and I've been doing it that way until, I mean, maybe it's um, Liverpool goes well ahead in a quarterfinal. And it's like, okay, they've got, uh, they're, they're definitely going to beat Benfica. Let me go ahead and switch to the other game and I'll focus the, my whole attention on that other game. Uh, I mean, and, and actually, that's a bad example because Benfica came back and actually came pretty close to cause an, an upset there against Liverpool. But but for me, for me, I, I like having them both at the same time because if there's if there is one game that's not that interesting, the other one is almost guaranteed to be amazing. 
Yeah, I, I kind of agree. I mean, it's maybe it's my own uh, personal preferences and biases, but I like uh, the staggered start times on Thursdays now with Conference League and Europa League because those matches to me are more interesting and entertaining, and I can watch one of those matches and almost certainly be entertained and, and, and be captivated by it. Champions League, again, I know I, I'm, I'm in the minority, but this is my opinion. I'm not interested in it for the most part, right? The, the results are pretty predictable, and even when result when there might be good matches, it's the same teams always winning it right it's the same teams that win in Europe uh, in, in that competition consistently so uh, yeah I, I like it just being one fell swoop and over with and maybe one of the games uh, keeps me uh, it, it keeps me engaged yeah and listeners if you're wondering why the games are at the same time also part of it too is because I mean if you're Benfica and you living you're living in Portugal um, that's the game the game of the day that's the game that everyone's focused focused on that's the game that's going to be live in prime time in Portugal and then at the same time if it is say uh, Chelsea against Real Madrid if, if you're in Spain all eyes are going to be on watching Real Madrid against Chelsea and that game is that that that's the big one in Spain that night and and so on and so forth you mean in Germany it could be Bayern Munich playing that night everyone's focused on that one game they're not paying as much attention to the other, the, the other game that's happening at the same time now globally speaking and for lo- most of our listeners who are based in the United States it doesn't make as much sense to have both games at the same time because, you mean, why not stagger them? Because that will give us an opportunity to watch both games uninterrupted for 90 minutes. But um, so there's a little bit of, I mean, I, I think eventually the UEFA will probably go to having it be staggered where they're not being played at the same time. Um, but a lot of that depends on the international rights. If they're getting more money from the international rights than the uh, the rights in each of those European domestic countries, then there's more opportunity for uh, UEFA to say, you know what, let's, let's do a staggered uh, start times because most, most of our money uh, for these TV rights are coming from overseas. Next up, uh, Liga MX. Uh, Bill says, following up your discussion recently about Fox Sports cutting back, I've noticed that with Fox's Liga MX broadcast, Fox Deportes, and occasionally FS1, uh, they broadcast matches, home matches for Monterrey, um, Santos Laguna, and Club Tijuana. But recently, I've noticed more and more of these games being broadcast on ESPN Deportes and ESPN Plus, and not Fox. Any idea what's going on there? Yeah, and Bill, this this has been happening now for, um, actually, I think a couple of seasons, so... A lot of the Liga MX games actually are on uh, either ESPN Deportes or ES- ESPN Plus, and um, I believe some of them, even some of the games that uh, Univision shows, sometimes those will be on ESPN Plus also. So it's a deal that uh, ESPN Deportes has done with Fox and I, b- I believe Univision uh, to. They don't really broadcast it that loudly, um, but if you do notice on ESPN Plus, a lot of those games do pop up on, on there um, at the same time. So they're actually sub-licensing the game out to an ESPN Plus uh, while still, um, for example, Fox still showing that game. But yeah, it's one of those things, I think, in many ways, um, those games for Fox to Portes and FS1, I don't think are a major priority. Um and it's very haphazard when FS1 shows the games and when they don't. Um, Fox Deportes, for the most part, shows more and more of them. But, yeah, I think it's one of those things that Fox probably looks at this and goes, OK, yeah, we will show the Liga Max games when we can. 
Um, but at the same time, you mean we're getting money from ESPN Plus or and ESPN Deporters. We're also showing the games, so basically, the, basically they're, they're spreading the love there. Um, but hopefully, Fox will start showing more and more of these games in the future. Speaking of Fox, uh, Chris says, I wanted to offer my thoughts on the possible sale of Fox Sports, which I think is likely. In my view, the possibility of Sinclair buying Fox Sports uh, would be a total disaster given Sinclair's complete mismanagement of the former Fox Sports' regional sports networks under their ownership. If Sinclair buys Fox Sports, I would would expect FS1, FS2, and maybe uh, even over-the-air Fox being pulled from streaming services, which would hurt us as soccer fans that are trying to watch the World Cup, Euros, and Copa America. This is because with the former Fox Sports regional sports networks, uh, Bally Sports, none are available on streaming services like Fubo or Sling due to Sinclair believing they are worth more by offering, offering them only available on cable. Sinclair's business model when it comes to sports is not logical and forces fans to pay more for services they don't want. On the topic of uh, MLS TV ratings, uh, Disco George says, I feel we need a meme that says, stop trying to make MLS TV ratings happen. They're never going to happen. The league and the broadcasters have created this weird self-perpetuating circle in which 70% of the teams are never on national television so their fans never watch national TV matches. It just keeps repeating itself over and over again, even if even I'm, I've gotten to the point where I'm tired of watching the same teams constantly, and I'm that weirdo cat lady who will watch a random USL match on a Saturday, Saturday night just because it's on. I think the regional local rights are going to be thornier than it might, might seem. For example, fans in my local market can watch every league match on a digital over-the-air channel or streaming on a local TV station site app for free. No cable or streaming packages needed. People are going to be very, very unhappy if they have to start paying for, for a MLS subscription. Diehards and season ticket holders will probably pay uh, begrudgingly, but a total paywall does choke off access to casual fans, unless it's included with something most people already have and is advertised quite heavily. Multiply that by 30 uh, for all the different local markets, and MLS has a potential dumpster fire on their hands. (laughs) Uh, I think she's right. I mean, as as she explains it in in that... uh, in that mailbag post, I think that that's correct. There will be a backlash, and that is true. If you are in market, you're getting those games for free, usually on an over-the-air channel, or oftentimes on an over-the-air channel, if not on a basic cable channel that you're going to get anyway. That's part of your cable package anyway. So, uh, yeah, I hadn't really uh, weighed that, but I, I think as, as, as the way she lays it out, absolutely right. So you might get... Uh, some season ticket holders, as she mentions, to, 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 to stick uh, and buy the package, but you probably will have uh, an equal percentage of people just drop off and not sign up for the streaming service that, uh, these, uh, that, that, that gets bundled with, for these regional games. So uh, that's another real potential problem for MLS. Yeah, I've, I've heard too from a lot of MLS fans who have said that if I'm going to have to start paying to watch games, that's it, I'm done. But I, th- I think in many ways, though, too, I think this Apple TV Plus deal that could happen could really be MLS's save- savior um, in that 
hopefully Apple TV Plus says, you know what, we'll get the streaming rights to Major League Soccer. We'll get all the games except for uh, maybe some of the the big games on on national television, which will be on ESPN or ESPN2 or Once in the Blue Moon on on ABC. And Apple TV Plus, uh, we will offer Apple TV Plus to uh, MLS fans for free. At least for maybe six months, maybe it's nine months or something, just to get them say to, to overcome that obstacle, or to overcome that that friction point where MLS fans say, "Screw it!" You mean I'm going to have to pay for Apple TV Plus? No, you're not going to have to pay for Apple TV Plus. It's free. Just just basically um, register an account, and off you go. You can watch uh, all the games, and then you can watch your Ted Lasso. You can watch all the Tom the Tom Hanks movies on there. And there's some really good Tom Hanks movies on Apple TV+. And then once you get somebody as a MLS fan watching and subscribing to Apple TV Plus for free, they'll see that there's Major League Baseball. They'll see that maybe there's going to be the NFL Sunday ticket and all this programming. And then um, and then thereafter, you mean, basically you move that person from the free account to the $4.99 a month account, which is still you know, very affordable. Um and then probably incrementally over time in the future, maybe Apple TV Plus will increase that just slightly as they add more and more rights. But I think that's, I mean, and, and that reduces, that removes the whole friction point as far as the local broadcast. Um, just basically dump the, the local broadcast, offer Apple TV Plus for free, give them access to the games. Uh, and like you said, Kartik, you were the one that said, like, hey, let's just put everything on streaming. And this is pr- pretty much as close as we can get to that with maybe ESPN Plus again. No, I'm sorry, ESPN uh, showing games on TV. The issue, though, is ESPN Plus. If if ESPN says, hey, we want these games for ESPN Plus, we need these games for ESPN Plus, then that becomes a uh, an issue. Maybe there's a little bit of a bidding war. I don't think so, though. I mean, I think that... Yeah, I think ESPN Plus would be okay without uh, the MLS games. They've got all that USL content. They've got all of the, the Bundesliga. They've got all of La Liga. And they've got all of, I mean, a whole bunch of other tournaments there too and competitions and leagues. Do you agree on that, Kantik? Could, could USL be uh, ESPN Plus's savior? Um, well, yeah, USL gives, a, gives a t- them a ton of content at really same start times as any sort of MLS regional bundle, uh, generally the same start times. Uh, uh, in fact, it creates a glut maybe when MLS is playing, which might be why MLS is better off off of ESPN+. Plus. But uh, I don't think a savior, but I certainly think it, 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 it would mitigate any sort of blow, uh, large blow by MLS going elsewhere. Dave says uh, the Liga MX season, the format, a split season and the playoff uh, advantage to better seeds and the Premier League relegation battles are enjoyable differences from from traditional U.S. sports. I agree that MLS lacks a hook like that. Jason says the city I live in has no MLS nor USL team. Millions of us are like that still. How can how can I be interested in pro soccer stateside then? It's not for a lack of trying on my part. I have adopted Orlando City as my team since I visit Florida a ton, and I like their stadium and colors and history. But I reside nowhere near them, nor any other pro team, like I said before. Alan goes on to talk about Apple Apple TV+. And Alan says, having Apple TV 
has made the, the method of delivery immaterial for me. It's a game changer. Watching ESPN Plus is as easy as watching ESPN or ESPN2 on Fubo. Uh, and then last but not least, uh, Dermot has some uh, feedback on FIFA Plus, the streaming service that uh, FIFA's, FIFA is going to be launching this year for free, um, or actually has already launched. Are all of these in-house streaming sites good for the world's TV business? Of course, great for the fans, but if they make the games and programs easy to cast uh, onto your TV set, it's a real winner for the fans. But what if after a while some accountant at FIFA says, you know, just by charging $1, uh, $1 a month, we can make a fortune. And if we add in a little bit of worldwide sponsorship before and after each uh, program, uh, before each game, wow, we were, talking, we were talking mega money. Is that the future? Does UEFA then start their worldwide $1 a month service and include all of the European leagues? Do all of the TV channels all over the world abandon soccer and leave it to FIFA and UEFA? What's the point in any TV channel paying money for the rights to a soccer match plus the production costs when it will be available on two worldwide channels for $1 a month each? Uh, the technology to have uh, each game in your own language is out there. And what if a greedy FIFA and UEFA start, as every streamer has and, and is doing, increasing the monthly fees to see how much the worldwide audience will stand? So that's a little bit of a, a doom and gloom in some in some ways, or maybe not. Maybe that's reality, Kartik. Do you think? Uh, I mean, do you think the actual leagues and, and TV companies should be concerned about FIFA? I mean, FIFA Plus, which is basically FIFA TV, and UEFA. UEFA has their own streaming product too, which is UA, yeah. UEFA TV. Um, no, I, I think what was a concern, from what I understand. In hindsight, well, immediately after the Super League, by the way, we're one, one year on uh, this week from the Super League fiasco, uh, was that club channels would emerge as an alternative to broadcast networks, not per se league channels like Premier League TV, because you, you know, the, 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 the networks and media companies, they do deals with leagues, right? And they do deals with confederations, UEFA, uh, governing bodies, UEFA, FIFA, CONCACAF, etc. There was a concern about club channels emerging. So keep an eye on that. Yeah, that's that's something I, I, I'm really concerned about, though, too, Kartik, because the club TV channels thing could really unravel everything. Because, like, even now, even now the way we are now in terms of uh, viewers, we're attached to leagues. Now, I'm a fan of Swansea City, so I'm, I'm attached to the championship. I watch a lot of championship games because I want to see how those other teams do and how that relates to my team, and even if they're above us or below us uh, or playing against us. I, I will watch championship games even th- even if it's not my team. Now, if I subscribe to, like, if I'm a Man United fan and I subscribe to the, the Man United TV channel and I see only their games, will I then be interested in signing up to another service? Maybe it's another cl- a club TV channel to watch a Liverpool-Arsenal uh, game or a Liverpool-Man City game? Probably not. So the power switch changes. The power, it unravels the power of the leagues and then gives all the power to the clubs. Um, and that's that's more concerning, I think, in many ways too, because th- there's a sense of belonging. So we as soccer fans, no matter what uh, f- uh, league you, you watch or what, no matter what's your favorite league, there's a sense of belonging with that league that you know kind of the, the main stories in that league. You've seen a lot of those games. 
Uh, and again, you're watching your favorite team play and win and lose and draw, but you're attached to that league in, in an indirect way. Um, by doing the club TV channels, I think you lose all of that. And then you become, okay, I'm just so hyper-focused on my team. I don't care or watch anything else outside of that. I'm not willing to pay for anything else outside of that. So I, I'm, I'm concerned about that in terms of, you mean, that would really... I mean, yeah, the, the, that, that, that's that's why there is the concern about it. You just articulated it, Chris. Yeah, and I think a lot of it too is that we're already so fractured anyway. You mean our listeners? You mean I mean in, in terms of soccer fans, we're fans of Saudi. I mean, so many different leagues out there that we can watch. And I feel in some ways that the Premier League, because there is that sense of belonging, because NBC has done a good job of making it feel that we get to know all the teams and all the storylines. And there's kind of an attachment to that. We know this league better than any others, uh, those who watch it because of the way that they broadcast it. And if it did become club TV channels focused, um, you'd lose that. You would lose the sense of belonging uh, other than to your club, and if your club's having a horrible season, <laughs> you know, what I mean, you uh, I mean you're probably already paid for Man United uh, TV, and that's it. You're kind of going to be less of a soccer fan, maybe, because you're, you're giving up on on Man United. There'll also be a limit on dissenting views. So, for example, uh, Jonathan Wilson says he was so impressed with the NBC studio. If it's uh, uh, Man City TV, uh, which I've watched, or Arsenal TV, there isn't the level of critique or criticism. Chelsea TV also, the level of critique or criticism that there normally is uh, on a regular broadcast and and uh man united's a little bit of an exception with that uh but that's a more recent phenomenon yeah the way it is now i think it's just right i think i think it's hopefully fifa fifa gobbling up a lot of these rights and putting them on the fifa plus uh streaming service and then uh uefa looking i i think it's insurance policy from both of them if they do need to go to a streaming service in the future that has this technology that can stream major games um, when TV, you mean TV, as far as kind of cable and satellite dies out, uh, at least they'll be ready to broadcast these games at that level if they want to go down that path. I hope that they don't. I don't think they will. But uh, yeah, it is interesting to, to think about it. Listeners, if you've got something you want to ask us, uh, we'd love to read your comments out on air. You can always reach us via email through web at worldsoccertalk.com as well as facebook.com slash worldsoccertalk and on Twitter at worldsoccertalk. Plus, of course, you can always post your comments on the podcast thread at worldsoccertalk.com. Kartik heading into another weekend, some big matches again from around the world. Um, What are you going to be doing and what should the listeners do? Enjoy your football. It's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.